Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. How many of you have good memories of candles? Yeah? Uh, I grew up in Minnesota, and uh, it uh, was a place where when the power went out in a snowstorm in the winter, we had a lot of candles. And I used to think it was fantastic. My parents didn't think that much about it, though, because it was like usually 30 below outside, and they were more worried about the pipes freezing. But I thought it was a lovely time. Lights are a beautiful thing, especially in darkness, aren't they? And uh, by the way, another plug, if you come back next Sunday, you get one of these as well. In fact, we have new new and improved ones. I guarantee you won't get any hot wax on you unless you're just really, really crazy and decide to go like this and drip it on your hand. It's uh, this new holders. And and for you that have kids, uh, just remember it's family friendly. It's a shorter service. We have glow sticks. Uh, We have some sticker things for them. And uh, we have absolutely fantastic hot chocolate and uh, cider, and it's just going to be a beautiful, beautiful time of worship. So invite your friends and uh, come on back next week. And I'm going to say it again, even though we said it before, because I guarantee if I don't, uh, there'll be somebody who'll show up in the morning at 9.15 next Sunday or 11, and you will be the only one here. Uh, Because Sunday is Christmas Eve, we're just doing the evening services. So there's, there's just something about light. I, I, I was thinking this last week, I need to do a little bit more of what I used to do as a kid. At Christmas time, it was the most, some of the most peaceful and happy moments for me were sitting all by myself. Maybe it was that we had six in our family and you very seldom got to be by yourself, but I'd sit by myself in the silence and other times I'd put Christmas music on and I would just stare at a candle or I would stare at the lights on the tree and it was just a beautiful time. I think the other time as I was thinking about this that it was kind of right up there with just the most peaceful times in life have been uh, camping in the pitch black mountains at night and, and sitting there just alternately looking at the flames of the campfire and then, and then looking up at the skies and seeing the skies and going, wow, there really are stars. <laughs> you can see, right? Maybe you did the same thing. There's just something peaceful, something orienting, something comforting, something romantic, something beautiful about even just a, a single flame. It's probably why Americans spend $1.3 billion on candles in the Christmas season alone. We value even the smallest light. And the prophet Isaiah actually prophesying 700 years before the birth of Christ in one of his most profound prophecies about who Jesus would be to us says this in chapter 9. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The prophecy about Jesus tells us that no matter how deep your darkness in your life is, that Jesus is the light of the world and he can come to you in a very personal way and lead you through that. And, and we all recognize, right, darkness is all around us and we get light when we say that, right? <laughs> kind of cute, kind of funny. I think it is, but then that's my sense of humor. So uh, we see it every day, don't we? The darkness. 
uh, we just have to look at the Internet. We just have to look at a newspaper. We see that people can be so depraved, so dysfunctional. And we, we see rays of hope in our world. But so often, even those rays of hope are, are, are against the backdrop of dark storm clouds as we look at it in the news. For some of you, darkness is very personal right now. Uh, whether it's darkness that you are experiencing or the darkness of a loved one that's spilling over and overshadowing you. Struggling with darkness makes us feel like we have no answer, like there's no way out, like you don't know what to do or which way to turn for things to be better, more clear, more vibrant, more happy. And the point is God is no stranger to bringing light into darkness, no matter how dark it is. We'll go back, we can see that all the way back in Genesis. At the very beginning, the Bible says the creation was dark and formless, and God brought light and clarity in that darkness. Sure, we all know sin came into the world, and it brought a whole new kind of darkness that infected and continues to damage humanity ever since then, even today. But just as God created light in the darkness at the beginning, he sent Jesus into the darkness 2,000 years ago to show us that he can be the one who can lead us out of darkness into light. Now, through the Advent series, we've been looking at various gospel accounts of Jesus' beginning, and today we're going to actually turn to John. And some of you are going... John, really? Why? Because John doesn't have anything, any Christmas story in it, you probably are thinking. John starts with this theological, philosophical discussion of who Jesus is, and then he jumps right into Jesus being 30 years old. And yet I think as we spend a little bit of time looking at John through some really, really simple but powerful truths today, you're going to see that his story of the beginning of Jesus actually reflects very much Isaiah's creative way of talking about who Jesus would be. We won't see mangers. We won't see shepherds. We won't see Mary and Joseph. We won't see the baby Jesus. But John captures through some really powerful images of darkness and light, of family and dwelling, the purpose for Jesus' coming. In John 1, God is actually inviting us to experience that purpose, that majesty, that beauty of God as expressed in these metaphors we're going to look at. So let's, let's talk about them. We're going to talk about them from the perspective of three foundational, extremely simple truths. You're all going to go, oh, yeah, that's really simple. I heard that when I was in kindergarten, right? But I think it's important for us to reflect on it again. The first truth is this, that Jesus created the world. John starts by saying this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, this idea of Word is actually referring to Jesus. Jesus is the Word, is what John is saying. And John is doing uh, this, using this Word in a really amazing way with lots of meaning to it. He's saying that in the beginning of creation, God created all that ex exists, and the Bible says, with a Word. And he's saying, Jesus is that Word. And he's also saying the, the word also refers to the idea of law. And John is saying that Jesus is coming into the world to embody the word, the God's law, the right, best, good, blessing way to live life, to show us what that looks like and how to live it. Uh, the word he's using is actually a Greek word, logos, which was pregnant with meaning in that day among the Greeks, which means divine ordering wisdom of all things. Jesus is the divine wisdom implicit in all of creation. And John goes on to reemphasize and expand on that point. Beginning in verse 2, he says, he, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. 
Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In other words, darkness is never a match for the light. God created the world, and Jesus, as one with God, was right there creating everything, setting the solar system in place. And whoever creates gets to set the rules. That's kind of how it works in life, right? And yet we also know because of sin that all things are not as Jesus created them to be or intended them to be today. But nonetheless, even in that, the light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot overcome him. For some of you, Christmas is a particularly difficult time. Maybe, maybe for some of you, for the first time, it's a dreaded time because you face the holidays this year without someone you loved who died this last year. Or you face it alone because your family is growing and, and has changed and scattered, divided by geography and between you and the in-laws and their immediate families. And, and so lonely, Christmas becomes a little more lonely for you and it's kind of lost some of its magic. And, and darkness is a little bit like that for us. Most of us, darkness is not a place, it's not a moment, it's more of a season in life. And some of you are in that season right now. You're facing disappointment in your career, your finances, or your family, or your direction. You're you're getting older. You're facing more and more of your family and friends who are dealing with illness and disability, or, or you've lost so many friends. Or for some of you, the darkness is that you may be struggling, living with a sense of guilt over your sin, because even though you wish it were not true, there's sin in your life that still has power over you even though you wish it were not true. See, Jesus, the God who created all, the great created the light and came into the world as the light of the world, has the power to lead us out of whatever darkness we're in. And it may start with a little flicker of a candle and, and step by step, day by day, walking into the full light, or, or it may come quickly like the dawning of the sun as Isaiah sets those images out for us. The second foundational truth that we can look at today is this. And again, it's really simple. Jesus loves the world. John goes on in chapter 3 to say this of Jesus' primary purpose in coming. He says, and it's a familiar verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge or condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Think about that. That is one of those wow perspective-giving statements. Jesus is not pursuing you to condemn you or judge you. His total focus towards you right now is to save you, to bring you light, to bring you clarity, to bring you a sense of what is right and best and good and purpose and beauty to your life. John actually elaborates further, saying, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world, though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We're, we're going to unpack this a little bit. John is saying, You don't get the benefits of Jesus coming. You don't get the benefits of the light unless you receive him. 
But he's also saying that there's a scary thing that I think every single one of us has to face about ourselves. Even though in our rational moments we know this is crazy, we still often choose darkness. We we don't see the light as loving and kind and good and inviting. We all too often want to hide our sin and protect our image. So... Let's quickly look back at John 3 because in both of these places, John is setting up this stark contrast that, that I think is really important for us to get. He goes on in John 3 to say, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And this is the verdict. The light has come into the world But people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Let's understand this contrast. What he's actually saying here is is really quite profound for each and every one of us right where we're at. On the one hand, here is God coming to us in Jesus, the light of the world, the path to all wisdom and healing and beauty and life. He's not coming to expose or to humiliate or to condemn us in our sin, but to gently love us and forgive us and save us. But we're afraid of that light. We project onto that light and onto God, not what he's doing or what he's intending, but what we think he's doing. We think he's coming to expose our weakness and embarrass us and condemn us and put us down and So we choose to stay in the dark, and we prefer our ways in the dark over the light. Jesus is coming to save, but but we in our thinking are actually, John's saying, condemning ourselves. The problem is we project our own condemnation as though it's coming from God, when it's really just our own sinful, broken thinking about who he is and who we are. See, so often we all act like a wounded, wild animal, and we fight against the one who would rescue us. How many of you saw this video this last week of the man saving the rabbit in the wildfires in California? Did you see that on, t- on, on, on one of the news or the YouTube or wherever? It's a beautiful metaphor of how Jesus is pursuing us. Jesus is hopping up and down. He's throwing his hands to his face as the rabbit runs away from us, in a sense, closer to the fire and danger, trying to get away from him. The rabbit doesn't trust the motives of the man. I know the metaphor of Jesus' light doesn't work with this fire metaphor. I'm mixing metaphors here, so just go with me. The point is still clear. Jesus, the creator of all, is pursuing us in the most extravagant way to bring clarity and light and healing and wholeness to us, to, to expose the dangers we are running through and running toward so often in life, to care for the wounds we carry around, and to heal us and save us and hold us and make us safe and whole because love takes action. So beginning away from the fire metaphor and back solidly into the light metaphor, we allow our fear to keep us from wanting to come in the light and be saved. We have to receive the gift of healing and light that Jesus wants to bring the bear on our lives. 
We don't get what Jesus wants to give us unless we receive it by coming to him, by coming to the truth and coming to who he is and receiving the gift. Think about it this way. Just imagine for me a minute. If I were to run out into the lobby when service is over before you get there, uh, and, and as you are personally leaving, I'm standing at the door and with a beautifully wrapped gift, which means you know that I didn't wrap it. Uh, and, and, but it's the kind of gift that you always wanted and you can't believe you actually get. It's the most extravagant gift you will ever receive. And as you walk by me at the door, I stop you and I say, I want to give you this gift. Would you, you can open it right now. And you look at me a little bit surprised, a little bit uncomfortable because you're not used to that kind of thing happening. But you still smile and you, you gush a little thanks towards me, you know, and then you say, you know, I'm, I'm really, really in a hurry, so I don't have time to open the gift right now, but can I open it later? And I say, sure. I'm just so excited that you get to have this gift and I can hardly wait to see your reaction and hear how, what you think about it. So you take the gift, you say thank you, you run out the door. And we see each other next week again at the Christmas Eve service. And I see you walk in and I got a cup of hot chocolate in my hand and I run over to give you the cup of hot chocolate and I just say, hey, what did you think? And you look at me and go, well, Ross, it's been a really crazy busy week. I'm sorry I didn't get to open the gift yet, but it's it's by the tree. I'm going to go home. I'll, I'll see it tonight and I'm going to open it. It's sitting right there. And then life gets busy. The weekends are busy. I don't see you again for two months. And one day you walk in and I run across the room excited to see you again and to greet you and say hi. And, and you, you, you look really awkward. You're feeling really awkward. And I ask you, so what did you think of the gift? And you sheepishly say to me, I haven't opened it yet. But hey, I was just telling someone this past week that you're a really great guy and how amazing you are that you would actually give me a gift. A gift is only a gift. If it's received, if it's not opened, if it's not received, it can't bring the joy that it was intended to bring or the purpose it was intended to bring. Some of you know that Jesus is the best gift you could ever receive. You know the Christmas story, the story of his death and resurrection. You know Jesus, the gift that's been offered to you repeatedly, and, and, and but for some reason you haven't opened it. You, you haven't opened the gift yet. Maybe you're, maybe you're too busy. Uh, and you, or maybe you don't want to change uh, everything about your life that it would mean to open that gift and explore that gift and let it be part of your life. You're, you're convinced that the gift of Jesus is right and best and good, but you keep putting off opening it you, you, and receiving it. You keep saying, someday. Maybe, maybe when this happens or that happens, maybe, maybe someday. But right now, I have other things that are maybe other people that are more important to me. And some of those things that are more important to you right now are really gifts to you, gifts from God, your family, your, your talents, your wealth, your jobs. God has given you it all, and he wants you to be blessed by it. But, but right now, those things are more important, and you haven't opened the gift of Jesus yet. You are content letting that gift sit by the Christmas tree year after year saying, someday I'll open it. A gift is only a gift if it's received. I hope that if that's you, you'll open the gift of Jesus today, the most extravagant gift, everything you ever wanted and more. But we also know opening the gift of Jesus isn't a one-time thing, don't we? 
We all know that this Jesus gift is a gift that keeps on giving in the most positive way that term could ever be, cliche could ever be used. So even as followers of Jesus, isn't it true as we live life? I know it's true for me that that we often allow circumstances to lead us to kind of putting Jesus on the back burner, maybe putting Jesus in the closet. We don't continue to open that gift and of Jesus in the now of our life. It's a gift. It's a good gift back then. It's a good gift in the future, but, but, but now we're not opening it so much. John 1 points out the really big gift that Jesus is that we sometimes miss. He says that gift is the right to become children of God. It can be really hard for us to connect with God as a good father, especially when things are going not so hot. I know when my best friend was killed years ago in an accident, I went through a time where talking to God was something I did out of loyalty most of the time, knowing knowing and believing that if I was going to ever have a semblance of comfort and hope that, that I, I, I needed to stay connected. And, and God did bring that to me over time. But there were other moments in that time where I would just flip into the place where I was just plain angry at God. I wanted nothing to do with God. And in those moments for us, opening that gift of God isn't even so much like opening the gift of God. It's almost maybe more like just not running away from him. Maybe, maybe it's just stopping in our helpless feeling, in our angry state, and choosing to just stand there and maybe let God catch us, right, as he pursues us. If you're in a dark place right now, I, I don't know exactly how God wants to be with you in this moment, I know that he wants to bring his light, his peace, his forgiveness, his comfort, whatever it is that you need. I I just want to invite you to continue to allow God to come to you, for you to just to stop, even when it doesn't feel good, in some small ways and regular ways, to to just turn, to just stop running toward the flame and allow Jesus to catch you. Jesus tells us, I am the light of the world. In Matthew 5, he also says, though, you are the light of the world. So which is it? It's really, it's really both. See, the most exciting thing about Jesus' love to us is that we get to be a part of reflecting the light of God's love to others. We get to be that part. And Andy Stanley talks a little bit of some ways that can help, I think, us think about some of our conversations and maybe see the opportunities God is bringing our way with friends around us. When he talks about his, he calls them the three knots. If someone says to you, I'm not in church, if they feel the need to bring that up to you, then probably in some small way, there's, there's this internal struggle going on within them that makes them a little more open for you to actually invite them to be part of Quest or another church. Maybe it's just Christmas Eve services. Again, Christmas Eve services are the number one time people are going to be willing to accept an invitation. Another knot that he brings up, he says, when somebody says things are not going well, what they're doing is they're actually looking for hope and encouragement. And that's something you can help bring their way in the way you care and the way you pray, even in the way you invite them to join us here at Quest. Because the reality is hope is not just an individual thing. 
One of the greatest joys and privileges I get to see as a pastor, and I, and I get to know probably more than any of you because so much of the information is confidential, is I get to see how God is working through each and every one of you to love and care for people around you. I get to see and hear the stories of your hidden generosity. I get to see how you've spent time going out of your way to a family that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't even go to church, that that is a difficult relationship for you to sustain, and yet you go above and beyond to go in and care for them in such deep and practical ways. I get to see how you reach out to people to bring them into your small group uh, and and to, to, to love them and care for them. I get to see you reaching out to those who are suffering life setbacks. I, I get to hear the stories of so many of you taking meals to people or, or going day after day after day to, to pray for somebody who's sick in the hospital or, or sick at home. You guys are awesome in demonstrating that. And when you do that, what you are doing is you are reflecting the love that Jesus has given you. Those simple things reflect Jesus to the world around us. We are the light of the world because he gives us love and we get to give it away. Another thing I understand is the third one he says is a nod. He says, when somebody says, I'm not prepared for this, I can't handle this. I'm not ready for this. That means they're overwhelmed by something and they don't want to face it alone. That's such a huge opportunity for you to come alongside them. And again, even invite them to be a part of who we are here because I've watched so many of you come alongside each other. This is a a group of people who come alongside people like none other I've been a part of. And invite your friends to experience the same thing you've experienced here of people coming alongside you when you're going through difficulty because when you love in that way, in whatever small ways, it's, it's God loving through you. As we come together as a family of God, that's how the light of God in our lives overcomes darkness in the world around us. Helping others who don't even know Jesus yet experience love because you reflect his light. So, especially during this Christmas season, I want to encourage you again. I know we've talked about it, but this is the season when there are more people, unchurched people, people who don't believe in Jesus, who love the Christmas traditions, who are more open than any time of the year to an invitation. And it's not just an invitation to Christmas Eve services, although that's that's an easy invitation to make. It's an invitation where maybe you're sitting over a cup of coffee and you go, you know, this time of year just makes me think about, they bring up the traditions and you go, could I just tell you for a minute the story of how good God has been to me and make an invitation for them to hear your story. Make an invitation for them to join your small group. Make an invitation for them to join the the blended families group that's going to start up in January if that's their situation in life. It's the best time of year to invite because God, the the third point that we're going to talk about today, which is a really profound and simple point again as well, is this, that God entered the world. See, when Jesus came into the world, he took on all the limitations of being human. He gave up his God powers and lived just like you and I. His miracles and wisdom were reflective of Jesus learning to follow the Holy Spirit just like you and I are invited to learn. It's actually one of the great mysteries of the Bible that the Bible makes extremely clear that when Jesus came, he limited himself somehow beyond our understanding, even though he was fully God and fully man, to operating just as 
you and I do. So what does that look like? You can read the Gospels and you can answer a lot of the questions, but let's just talk about one of them. In the midst of the darkness, Jesus lived right alongside people caught in the darkness. He didn't separate himself. In John John verse 14, 1 verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. I love the way the message paraphrase puts this verse. It says, The Word became flesh and blood. It was tangible. It was right there. I could touch it. I could see it and moved into the neighborhood, into your neighborhood, into my neighborhood. This is such an amazing concept. I think it's really hard for us to fully grasp. I think any imagination we do, any illustration we do falls short. But but here's the best I can think of. Imagine the nicest place you've ever walked through or been to. Maybe it was a really wealthy friend's home or a castle or a mansion you toured while on vacation or a, or a really fancy hotel or spa and resort that you went to or saw. Imagine staying in that place with anything and everything you ever wanted supplied to you for free with the most excellent service you could ever imagine. Now, compare that to living in a cardboard box in a homeless camp under the 315 freeway downstairs on a cold, wet, wintry, snowy night. See, that still comes short of what it meant for Jesus to leave heaven, giving all of that up to travel so far from the perfect life to come to earth as a baby whose only clothes at birth were Rags assembled together to form some sort of covering in a dark, manure-filled cave. And yet, that picture alone communicates to us the highest level of unconditional love you can imagine, doesn't it? That the Word became flesh and blood and moved into your neighborhood, into my neighborhood. That's who your Jesus is. He comes to you to love you. Because love takes action to come to other people. There's a beautiful story I heard about a young couple, uh, a young family in the Midwest. The husband and wife had gone through some rocky times and the wife finally got so disillusioned with the stress of marriage and the responsibility of being a mother that she felt like she had to get away. So one morning her husband woke up to a note there beside him on the bed and she was gone. He agonized over leaving but felt that she needed a little space so he didn't try to follow her but he did call her that day and every day on her cell and he told her over and over again i i love you we need you he 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 begged her to come home she listened to what he said and, and and sometimes talked but most of the time he could just hear her softly weeping on the other end of the line and and yet she refused to come home as Christmas approached, the father became a little more intentional. He, he hired a private investigator to help him find her. And a week later, the PI stumbled across her in a low-budget motel in a seedy area of Las Vegas. And, and without alerting to, her, to the, the fact that he knew where she was, he, he called the husband back. And several days before Christmas, she sat on the lumpy motel bed all by herself in a dimly lit room, feeling as lonely as she had ever felt in her entire life. And then there was a, a knock, soft at first, and then it became 
more persistent and louder and insistent. And slowly and cautiously, she got out of the funk of her sitting on the bed and walked across the room and peeked through the curtain. And her heart skipped a beat as she saw her husband in the doorway. She slid the chain free. She threw open the door and she fell into his arms. He repeated the familiar speech to her, not knowing what to do. He says, we love you. We need you. We adore you. Please come home. And this time she turned around and threw the few clothes she had in her suitcase and ran to the car. A couple weeks have passed. Christmas tree is back in the attic and the children are back in school and the husband and wife are sitting there. And he goes, why did you wait so long to come home? I begged you to come home dozens of times. What took you so long? What was different about the time that you did come? And she said, you told me you loved me. You told me you needed me. But those were just words until you came. See, love is more than words. Love is action. And 2,000 years ago, when the advent occurred, when the God of the universe came, he left heaven and he came to the doorway of earth and he set aside his power and his authority to reveal his love, to bring light into our darkness so that rather than you and I just hearing that God loves us, we would see that God loves you. God loves me. He put his words into action. Someone doesn't travel that far unless they love you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. Have you opened the gift of Jesus yet? Or is it still sitting there under the tree and you're just waiting for someday? Or are you here and you've opened it, but, but for some reason it's gone in the closet? And are you continuing to open that every single day? God's light and love overcomes all darkness. And he gives us wonderful meaning to our lives. We get to reflect and share that love every single day. What an exciting gift it is to follow Jesus and reflect his light. Would you stand with me as we pray? All right, I just come to you and I, I, I just... Honestly, God, my, my heart, and I know so many of our hearts, we just, it's so easy for us to, to say someday, even if we've opened up you as a gift and, and, and we're following you, it's so easy to put you back in the closet. Lord, I pray that you'd come to each one of us today to help us receive the gift that you are to us, everything you are to us. Lord, would you help us find the joy of being your light, of reflecting your light. And Father, I pray for, especially for those among us who, who know you're to be true, know, know they really want to and maybe should follow you, but they haven't opened that gift. Lord, I pray that your spirit would come to them right now, that you'd be tugging on their heart. And you'd just be reaffirming to them how loving you are, how you are not condemning them. Maybe they're condemning themselves, but Lord, that's not you. So come, Lord. Come be with us right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter 
by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.